Greetings and welcome. Glad to have you here. For those of you who are listening to this as an audio, I wanted to let you know that this presentation is actually being done as a video with a lot of information and documentation on the screen. So although it's okay to listen to it as an audio, you'll be missing out on a lot of information by not seeing the things that are being portrayed on the screen. So once you've had an opportunity to listen to it as an audio, I would recommend you watch it as a video also. I think it would really bless you. Thank you. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Theo Hickmat here. Friends call me Jason Zelda, singer, songwriter, and Bible teacher. Today, we're going to be doing a deeper dive into the story of Noah's Ark and where is the real Noah's Ark? Uh, before we begin, though, let me give you a quick health update about myself. I recently discovered uh, through a doctor's appointment that I have a bulging disc in my neck, which has put me in a lot of pain. Those of you who are familiar with this kind of thing, located at C5, if you want to look it up online, and uh, it's causing a lot of pain and has been. I may end up having to go into surgery to get it dealt with. Doctor says it's usually hereditary, and my mom and my sisters have told me that they've gone through the same thing. So if I'm not as animated as normal, it's because of the pain. Uh, I'm not even able to put my head all the way back because of the bulging disc in my neck. But I've learned over the years that it's easy to praise the Lord when everything's going good. But are you able to praise him when things are not going good? That's the true test of spiritual maturity. So even though I'm not allowed to work, my job has told me not to come back in until I get a clean bill of health from the doctors, which appears to be nowhere on the horizon right now, because more than likely I'm going to have to go into surgery to get my neck worked on, to get the old worn out disc removed and a new disc put in. So keep me in prayer about all this. And even though I'm just a little bit shattered, I'm not broken. And I'm going to continue to do what I've always done, and that is try to present the Word of God to those who are interested and help people understand the Bible better. So let's go ahead and jump into this. The story of Noah's Ark and where is the real Noah's Ark? For many decades, people were led to believe that this structure located on a mountain called Ararat in the country of Turkey was the remains of Noah's Ark. After doing some research myself, I've come to the conclusion that that is not actually Noah's Ark. The Bible gives you very clear clues as to what you expect to find where the real Noah's Ark would be located. I have some new information to add. I know I posted an earlier video dealing with this topic. I have even more information I'm going to be adding to this video. And forgive me, by the way, if I can't continue to keep looking up at the camera, but I already explained to you why. We're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 8. We're going to be dealing with 
the end part of the flood and going forward as we're trying to find out where is the real Noah's Ark. Let's look at the clues that are given to us. And when we look at the clues, I think many of you are going to see that this structure located in Turkey cannot be the real Noah's Ark because it doesn't fit the clues. Let's jump into the Bible and see what the clues are that the Bible gives us and try to find out the approximate location of the real Noah's Ark. What a discovery it's going to be when people finally find it. Because for way too long, for too many decades, people have been distracted into looking at the wrong place. In Genesis chapter 8 in the King James Bible, and again, if you're new to my videos, please do not use the so-called modern translations of the Bible. Only use the King James Bible with my videos. I don't trust the modern versions. I've already done research on them. I've done a video here on YouTube, free of charge, commercial free, for you to watch to explain why I take the stand that I do for the King James the modern versions are not trustworthy. They change the modern versions every few years. You never know what they're going to say from time to time because they always keep changing them. The King James Bible has been very consistent for more than 400 years. And I have one right here, over 300 years old. Today we call this a King James Version, but this was not originally called a King James Version when it came out. It was simply called the Holy Bible. This was printed in the year 1708. I compare this to my King James Bible today and word for word, verse for verse, doctrine for doctrine, it teaches the same thing. Some of the words kind of spelled funny 300 years ago, but that doesn't bother you in understanding the, the reading because the words are still readable. So let's go ahead and jump into this so we can all be on the same page. Get yourself an authorized King James Bible, not the one called the New King James. The New King James is a counterfeit. It's a fake. You don't want to waste your time with that. You want to stick with the authorized King James Version. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 8. The flood has now begun to end. It says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. So the waters began to calm down and to sink down back into the ground. The problem the water was going to have, though, when you read earlier in the book of Genesis, you learned that the flood came from two areas. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, so the rain came down from the sky. But at the same time, the Bible says the fountains of the great deep were broken, and the waters came up. So within the earth, even to this day, there is oceans of water that are down deep within the earth underneath the crust. And some of that water, a lot of it, came up to the surface during the days of Noah. The problem is, as that water came up, it would put more weight on the ground above it and begin to push the ground down. So when it came time for the water to go back down, it was not able to have all the water that came up to all go back down. They were just not able to do it. So a lot of the water that came up is still on the surface. We call them today the oceans. So Noah is trying to find out where the ark is located. Is there any land that is visible yet as he's noticing the waters going down? 
Verse 2, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. So we just got done talking about that. The fountains of the great deep, as the King James Bible describes it, were shut off and now the waters are starting to go down. Verse 3, and the waters returned from off the earth continually and after the end of a hundred and fifty days the waters were abated so even though it rained for 40 days and 40 nights it took a while for all that water to go back down at least 150 days it says here and here we go and the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains plural the mountains of Ararat that's your first clue if you're going to find the real Noah's Ark. Mountains, plural, of Ararat. In my earlier video, I pointed out that I wanted to search to see if there were any other Mount Ararats on Earth besides the one in the country of Turkey. Upon searching, I found there was another Mount Ararat located in South Africa, the country of South Africa. But since the Bible said mountains, plural, of Ararat, I wanted to see if there was another mountain in the area that's also called Ararat. Now, for the maps that I was using, this one here called Map Carta, was one of them that I was using. I didn't realize with that map, you have to zoom in in order to see their names pop up. Once I learned that you had to zoom in to find the names, then I was able to find the other smaller mountain also called Mount Ararat. But since then, I've discovered two more, making a total of four mountains in the country of South Africa that's called Ararat. What are the odds of there being one country that has four separate mountains that have the exact same name? And it's a rare name. Ararat is not a common name. It's a rare name. South Africa has four Mount Ararats. Now, what I find strange is when you go to your search engine and you type in Mount Ararat, time after time, they will send you to the country of Turkey. It's almost as if they don't want you to know that there is a Mount Ararat in Africa. You would think that the continent that has four Mount Ararats would show up first, but it doesn't. In many cases, you have to type in Mount Ararat Africa in order for the Mount Ararats in Africa to show up. I wonder why it's done that way. Maybe they don't want us to know about these other Mount Ararats. Just a thought. Now that we live in an information age, we're able to get the information. You can even go onto Google Maps and you type in Mount Ararat, Africa, and you will see these four Mount Ararats there in South Africa. So 
your first clue the ark came to rest upon the mountains plural of Ararat to my knowledge the country of Turkey only has one Mount Ararat located on its far eastern coast on its far eastern border South Africa has four that makes mountains of Ararat next clue verse 5 and the waters decreased continually until the tenth month in the tenth month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen so now the mountain tops are beginning to show verse 6 and it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up off the earth now this is important to understand because there are some people out there that say there's a contradiction in the Bible because first it says he let out a raven and then it says a dove they actually claim that's a contradiction the King James Bible says he released a raven and the raven went to and fro which means it would leave the ark fly around and come back fly around and come back fly around and come back it wasn't really looking for anything it's just flying around and coming back that is not what Noah wanted Noah wanted a bird that would go out and try to see if there's anything growing yet so then he goes verse 8 and he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground so he sent the raven out first but the raven wasn't getting the job done so he goes and gets a dove and sends the dove out he's wanting to see whether or not things are starting to grow yet it frustrates me when people try to say that's a contradiction no he sent out one bird this day and when that bird wasn't getting the job done after a while he sent out another bird there's no contradiction there verse 9 and the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot and she returned unto him unto the ark for the waters were on the face of the whole earth then he put forth his hand and took her and pull of her in unto him into the ark and stayed yet another seven days and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark notice he didn't send the raven this time he's sending the dove verse 11 and the dove came into him in the evening and lo in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off the King James Bible is a very precise accurate translation and it specifically says from the manuscripts that it's translated from which are different manuscripts than the manuscripts the so-called modern versions use these manuscripts specifically said olive so I wanted to know where are the locations if there are any of olive groves do they make olive oil in Africa I wanted to know when I began to look lo and behold right here above the mountain is one of the areas where olives are found and produced in the olive oil the dove would not have had to gone far 
You see, once you start having, in my opinion, once you start to have food crops growing, you don't want to destroy it because it's food. It's food for yourself. It's food for your family. And it'll continue to reproduce generation after generation if you continue to take care of it. So you would think if olives were growing then, olives should still be growing now and more of it. And that appears to be exactly what's happened. It's sort of taken off from there and spread out. But we do see here that there is evidence to this day of olive growth, olive oil, and so forth, confirming the story. That's your second clue. Verse 11, the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth, and he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. So now, that's the first one set free from the ark, is that dove. Verse 13, it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Now, this is something I find interesting. When you see people show pictures of the ark, it's always these weird, strange pictures of this boat that's kind of shaped like this, and it's got, you know, it, it's, it's got this strange shape to it. But the King James Bible says it had a covering over it. And I've never seen anybody post any pictures of what an ark would look like that has a covering. I mean, the ark was huge. What is this covering that was over it? I don't know. But I found that very interesting that the ark had a covering over top of it. He looked and beheld the, the face of the ground was dry. Verse 14. In the second month, on the seventh, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And the Lord spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and may be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Verse 18. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with him. And every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Noah now releases the animals. And the Bible is giving you an inventory. Beasts, creeping things, fowls, whatsoever creepeth upon the ground. Noah was told to bring forth onto the ark a certain number of animals. He was then told that another group of animals, as you see here, would come unto him. He didn't have to go and get every single animal out there. He only had to get some, and the Lord would bring the others to him. So now these animals are being released. So wherever these animals are being released, wherever in the world these animals are being released, it should have a multiplicity 
of various kinds of animals. Birds, beasts, creeping things, you name it. That place should have a whole massive variety. And Africa does. It is the only place on the face of the earth that has this massive variety of animals all located in one continent. Why? Why? From the diversity of birds, the diversity of creeping things, which would be the reptiles that crawl upon the ground, the insects and things. There's no place like it. Like Africa. I find it interesting because this mountain here, located in southern South Africa, is where I think the Ark is located. You will notice that the government of South Africa, take a look at your screen, has placed a whole bunch of nature reserves around this mountain. To the north, south, east and west. This mountain is surrounded by nature reserves. Why? Why? What are they protecting? Some of these nature reserves, by the way, are classified as private. What, you can't go in there? Why? Is there something there they don't want us to see? Like maybe the Ark? Just wondering. It would make sense that if the Ark was opened up around this mountain, that the animals would have went out in all the directions and would have established territories and began reproducing. And if there were too many of predator kinds in this area, they would move over to another area and establish a territory there. And in this area here, it's very interesting. So many nature reserves surrounding this mountain. And to this day, the animals still roam free out in the open. I mentioned in my earlier video, my friend Gigi. She lives in South Africa, her and her friend Rick. At their old place that they used to live at, they could stand there in the, the doorway of their house, put on the high zoom camera lens and be able to see giraffes and things walking around out in the distance. They recently moved to a new place in South Africa. And now <laughs> the animals come to them. They recently just moved in. And in the place where they moved in, in the yard, she has orange trees, lime trees, and avocado trees. And the monkeys invade her yard to take her avocados. <laughs> and I want you to see a quick clip here. Pardon the language, but that's how, you know, she tends to use a little flavorful language, a little extra crispy bacon language. But this is a little clip that I took from her video stream. A great friend of mine. As a monkey has invaded their house, their brand new place. 
and it's up on the roof and the dogs are going nuts i want you to see this as you see the animals in south africa still roam wild to this day take a look Romy almost got him look at that little bastard that was the one that was eating the avocado oi get down sir get down they're stealing my avocados you don't scratch your bum get away from here so there you go <laughs> that's uh that's my friend Gigi down there in South Africa the animals still roam wild in America, you have a monkey on the roof, you call the police, you call animal control. In South Africa, you have an animal on the roof. It's just another day in South Africa. <laughs> just another day in South Africa, that's all. Okay, so the ark was opened up. All these animals were released. Lo and behold, around this mountain here in South Africa, a whole bunch of nature reserves and the animals still run wild out in the open, in the public, nothing's done about it it's like they've done it for thousands of years what's your next clue verse 20 and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar now Noah would have been familiar with altar sacrifices, even though officially they hadn't been written down yet in law. The law is still long time away in the book of Exodus. Cain and Abel knew about altar sacrifices. Noah knew about altar sacrifices, even though there was no written law yet about it. It was his way of showing appreciation to the Lord Jesus, who is the God of the Old Testament for saving him and his family and all these animals through the flood more than a hundred days on that ark. It was his way of showing gratitude. And I want people again to understand the Bible timeline. It takes time for these things to happen. Did he sacrifice of those that were coming off the ark fresh? Or did he wait until they began to reproduce? Because you don't want to kill the originals or you're going to make them extinct. So you have to understand the Bible timeline. There's time that's passing as these events are taking place. Verse 21, and the Lord smelt a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So God promises that he will no longer flood the entire planet anymore. For those who say that this was a local flood, you're going to have a bit of a problem with God's promise that he would never do it again. Because there's been plenty of places around the world that have had local floods. Japan with the tsunami that came in 
If you've never seen a tsunami before, folks, it'll blow your mind what these tsunamis are able to do. God promised he wouldn't send this kind of flood like he did in the days of Noah. It would have had to have been global. Next chapter. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and of every fowl of the air and upon all that move on the ground and upon the fishes of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat unto you, even as the green herb I have given all things. Up until this time, mankind was vegetarian, according to the Bible. Now God's giving mankind permission to eat meat. A lot of change is happening after the flood. Number four, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. For surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hands of every beast will I require it, and at the hands of every man, and at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Verse 7 And you be fruitful and multiply, and bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. Now, how many times has God repeated to Noah and his family to be fruitful and multiply? I want you to take note of that because he keeps telling them, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. And rather than being fruitful and multiplying, Noah and his family tends to stay near the ark. They're not trying to branch out. You got to follow the Bible timeline. He keeps telling them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. Yet they choose to stay near the ark. Who knows how many years as you begin to read through the rest of the story here leading up to chapter 10. Up until this chapter 10, they're still at the ark. They're still in the vicinity of the ark as all this time is passing. And they were told to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. Yet they're staying in one place. Verse 8, God spake unto Noah and his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowls, of the cattle, of every beast of the earth with you, and all that go out from the ark to every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall any more be a flood to destroy the earth. So again, for those who think this was just a local flood, what do you do with this verse? Because there's been plenty of local floods, but he's made it clear he's not going to do the kind of flood to the earth like he did in the days of Noah. This had to be a global flood. Verse 12. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and with you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the clouds and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So whenever you see the rainbow, that again is God's covenant that he would not flood this world in its entirety anymore. That is supposed to be a reminder to us of God's promise that he would not flood this entire world anymore. 
Verse 14, it shall come to pass when I shall bring the cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature and all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Now, isn't this God speaking? Yes, it's God speaking. And one thing I love about the King James Bible is how accurate it is. How precise it is. Because when you read through the King James Bible, you will see that God often speaks about himself as if he's talking about somebody else. He is God. Yet he's telling them, verse 16, he's telling them, and the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. Wouldn't he have said between me and every living creature? But he speaks about himself as if he's speaking about somebody else. And it's really cool how he does that. He will speak about himself. What, in the third person? The third person, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Verse 17. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Verse 18, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. Verse 19, And there were three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Here's your next clue as to where to find the ark. Verse 20, Noah began to be a husbandman. Stop. He began to be a husbandman, comma. What's a husbandman? A husbandman is a farmer. That would be expected. The earth has been flooded. The trees are destroyed. The plants are destroyed. But Noah, knowing that the flood was coming, would have put lots of seeds on board the ark to be planted after the flood was over. Food, as well as flowers and other plants. So when you see in the earlier part where you have uh, the nature reserves that surround this mountain, there's one called Gamskaberg Nature Reserve. It's located on the actual mountain range itself of Ararat there in South Africa. They have a video on YouTube advertising themselves. It's a short video. So what can you expect to find in a nature reserve that's right there on the mountain range where I believe Noah's Ark is located? Let's take a look at this short video of this nature reserve and what they say is there. The biological diversity is unequal. We've got the three biodiversity hotspots which come together, which makes place so special. And the famous is succulent, blue, subtropical, vegetable, all come together. Those are all global hotspots. 
and so the air is incredibly diverse in terms of its flora. And with that, so the like insects and the birds, mammals, you know, the former side. So when you take in what he just said there, this would be the perfect place for God to have allowed Noah's Ark to land. He says here that the three biodiversity hotspots are located in this area. So this would be the perfect place to let the animals out because all three biodiversity hotspots are right here in South Africa at this Mount Ararat. And that adds another reason why I believe that the Ark is actually located somewhere in South Africa among that Mount Ararat and not at the Mount Ararat located in the country of Turkey. So when you look at the nature reserve, you got unique plants and flowers, birds, all kinds of creatures and all, insects, unique, that would be expected if this is the area where the ark came to rest. That would be completely expected. That Noah would have planted these various different flowers and his family would have planted them all around the area and then allow time to pass to spread those seeds around and spread those seeds around. And they've now taken a whole bunch of these areas and labeled them as nature reserves to preserve these areas, to preserve the animals, to preserve the creeping things. And I do wonder, because of this, does the South African government know the Ark is there? Do they know it's there and they just never told anybody? It wouldn't be the first time that a major government was sitting on a major biblical archaeological site and didn't tell the public it's there. It says that Noah became a husbandman after the flood. A husbandman is a farmer. When you have a farm, you want to keep it within the family. You want your sons and your daughters to take care of that farm and their sons and their daughters and their right on down the line because it's food. And it's been that way for generations. I wanted to know if the areas here is still farmland. Didn't take very long to find out. All these areas you see here on the map are farms. Look at how massive the farms are. Look at how much territory it covers. Another clue. And it's all right here on the mountain. Right next to the mountain, folks. If you're going to have farms, you need water. Is there rivers here? Yes, river runs right through it all. Next up, verse 20, Noah began to be a husbandman. He planted a vineyard. He again is planting more food. I want to know where was Africa's wine country? What I saw was pretty interesting. Here's your map. Their wine country is pretty vast. And those of you who saw my earlier video, I took the picture from Map Carta where I found Mount Ararat in South Africa. 
and I scratched the map out so that the coastline would match the coastline of the wine country map and I wanted to see where was Mount Ararat in light of the wine country where was it and as you see here's the picture that came out Mount Ararat boom right there right in the middle of this wine country area here now folks The clues that the Bible gives us as to where we can find the real Noah's Ark? Multiple Mount Ararats in South Africa. The olive groves and olive oil produced one of the areas right above the area where the mountain is. The wine country, one of the areas where the wine is produced right above that area where that mountain is right in the vicinity we're not talking about a long distance away it's right there in the vicinity the multiple nature reserves that surrounds this mountain some of them private again i wonder does somebody know the ark's in there is it buried or is it still on the ground because one thing I know, that ark was huge and you ain't moving it. It is where it went. It is where it landed. <laughs> they ain't going to move it. They ain't going to put a tow truck on it and move that thing out the way. Does somebody know the ark is there? And they're just keeping it hidden from the eyes of the world. The same way the Arabian government trying to keep Mount Sinai hidden by putting a barbed wire fence around it and not telling nobody it's there. Or could it be they don't know it's there? I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they don't know it's there. Maybe they think they're just being good environmentalists, taking care of these animals and these plants. And they can't see the forest for the trees. They don't know that these unique plants and flowers and everything are here because the ark is here. It wouldn't be the first time politicians couldn't see the forest for the trees. When you have the vineyards, and all these other clues pointing to this mountain area as being where the ark is. Why in the world is people looking in Turkey for it? Let's put Turkey to the same test. The King James Bible says mountains of Ararat. Turkey only has one Mount Ararat to my knowledge. When it comes to olive groves, where are the olives grown in Turkey? All the way over here, far from their Mount Ararat. How about the uh, the vineyards and their winemaking? Where is that done? That's also far, far away from their Mount Ararat. You don't have the multiplicity of animals in Turkey like you do in Africa. Nowhere near it. The pieces of the puzzle just don't fit. Not to mention the fact that the Mount Ararat in Turkey is a volcano so that's why I think the arcs in South Africa all the clues say it's there not Turkey 
The guy who claimed he found it on that mountain over there, he said himself in a video that I watched that when he got there, the, shortly before he got there or somewhere in the vicinity of that time, there was an earthquake that took place that caused part of that little area where he said the ark was. He knocked some of that down. The earthquake was so strong it was able to knock down a section of what he called the ark. You mean to tell me that the God of heaven is going to rescue Noah and his family from a massive global flood and all these animals rescue all them and then land them on an active volcano come on guys come on come on come on come on come on remember my song I wrote come on The clues point to South Africa. Now, I need to mention this too in closing. When I began to do research into this area, I wanted to find out if anybody in Africa, in South Africa, had come to the same conclusion that the Ark must be there somewhere. And what I began to see began to disturb me is because some of the people, and it's not many, but some of the people that have come to the conclusion that the Ark is there or because of the Mount Ararat that's there and all the clues, many of them didn't even put the clues together. They just see the Mount Ararat and they see the multiplicity of animals is usually what they focus on. And they never seem to take into account all these other clues, but they do say, okay, they think the Ark is there at that mountain at southern South Africa. But the thing that makes me sad is these people turn it into a racial thing. They turn it into a racial superiority thing. And it makes me mad. It makes me angry. I don't care if it's black on white, white on black, any race against any race. I don't like racism, period. And when they try to squeeze racism into my King James Bible, that really ticks me off. And yes, some of these guys are using the King James Bible claiming they believe this book and they don't. And the reason I know they don't believe it is because this King James Bible calls God Jesus and they refuse to use the name of Jesus. They're using some name that don't appear in the Bible. So don't tell me you believe this book and you won't even call God by his name. That's why you'll never catch me calling God Yahshua. Not in my Bible. Ain't in here. You never catch me calling him Yahweh. It ain't in here. The scholars who translated this, they knew these languages, top, bottom, up and down. And they also had the Mesoretic manuscripts, which had all the Old Testament words completely spelled out. The title that God used for himself in the Old Testament more than any other title was the word Jehovah. That word means Lord. And I keep telling people Jehovah is not God's proper name like somebody's name is Bob or Steve or Tom. 
Because in the King James Bible, at least three times, the word Jehovah appears seven times in the King James Bible. Seven. Of the seven times, at least three times, there's another word attached to it. Let me show you. It says here, Jehovah Nisi. Is Nisi God's last name? No. Neither is Jehovah his first name. Over here it says Jehovah Shalom. Is Shalom God's last name? No. Neither is Jehovah his first name. Over here it says Jehovah Jireh. Is Jireh God's last name? Neither is Jehovah his first name. The word Jehovah simply means Lord. The one in charge. The one in command. And the Old Testament was set up where God would use this title of Lord, 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 over and over and over. So that when he came in the New Testament and revealed his name, what is Jesus called? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. And even to this day, when you simply say the Lord, for most people, you don't have to question. I wonder who they're talking about. When you say the Lord, you know who you're talking about. The Lord Jesus. But for these that I've run into, they turn it into a racial thing. And they spew out a lot of things against Europeans, against the Jewish people. And I just want to make it clear that I am not part of that crew at all. At all. I am not part of that crew. My hope and desire is that people will find the real ark, not that counterfeit sitting on the mountain in Turkey, the mudslide on a volcano, but the real Noah's ark. And I have a feeling people will find it because the Bible says in the last days, scoffers are going to come and they're going to scoff about two things. They're going to scoff about wondering, where is this coming? Where is Jesus coming? How come he hasn't come back yet? And the second thing the Bible said they're going to scoff about it. They're going to scoff about the flood. Why would knowledge of the flood be on people's mind? I think it'll be on their mind because of the ark. And there are going to be people who are want to deny that that's what it is. And I'm wondering why would they want to deny something as big as the ark is, as huge as it is, as monumental as it is. Why would people want to deny it when they see it? And again, all I can give you is theories. Because you and I have been told since our youth that ancient men were monkeys, gorillas and apes hanging around from our tails. Evolution. I got a feeling the Ark is more high-tech than we ever imagined. Ancient man was not stupid. They were smart. And when you understand that God gave Noah the specs on how to build this thing, I think the Ark probably looks more high-tech than anybody would imagine. And when people see it, they're probably going to be like, that, that, that just can't be the ark. There's no way ancient man could have built something like that. Because they're thinking evolution. Not scripture. And I want you to take notice that the Bible says they will be willingly ignorant of. Willingly ignorant of. 
In order to be willingly ignorant, you have to look at the evidence, have the evidence there in your face, and then deny what you're seeing. That's the kind of culture that's being presented in this world today, where you can look at something, you know exactly what you're looking at, yet our society says, no, 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 that's not really what it looks like. That's actually something the absolute opposite of what you clearly see. The King James Bible says they will be willingly ignorant of this fact. And that's one of the reasons why I believe the ark will be found, because it will be solid evidence that God exists and that he has the authority to judge this world in the past. And this King James Bible says he will judge this world again in the future, but not by water in the future, by fire in the future. But he doesn't want to have to judge us. He wants to show us mercy. That's why he came here as Jesus. That's why he died for us on the cross. That's why he rose again to prove to us once and for all that he's God. And he offers us forgiveness. If we would just come to Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And to fill you with his spirit so that you'll not want to do things that are wrong. But you see, being that the scripture says they will be willingly ignorant, that's one of the things that leads me to believe that the ark will ultimately be revealed to the public. And they'll be willingly, there's a lot of people that will look at it and deny what they're seeing, thus being willingly ignorant of the fact that this King James Bible is true. And at the flood that it talks about in the book of Genesis and in various other places in the Bible referring back to this flood actually did happen. All these clues that have been laid out here in this video shows you that the ark must be somewhere in the vicinity of this Mount Ararat located in South Africa, not in the country of Turkey. I'm hoping people would go and look for it. So I'm hoping that there are people in South Africa. You may have access to one of these nature reserves, even the private ones. Why hide the ark from the public? What do you got to lose? I am fed up with documentaries coming out claiming that there's no Bible archaeology found and there's no proof to back up the Bible and all this nonsense. I'm tired of their lies. When the evidence is hidden from the public, I'm fed up with the lies. The evidence is out there if they'll just show the people. And that's what I'm going to try to do. No matter how much pain I might be in. I'm going to do what I can to get this Bible archaeology series rolling. Since I'm not allowed to work, I'm doing nothing but sitting here at home 24-7 and it's driving me nuts. So I'm going to try to do what I can to try to come out with more videos dealing with Bible archaeology to help build people's faith in this King James Bible. And I'm hoping you guys will keep me in prayer. I'm shattered, but I ain't broke. I still function. Just a little bit more pain than normal, that's all. But I'm getting through.
Keep me in your prayers, folks. And again, for those people who've asked in the past, how can we support your ministry again recently? I'm not one to ask people for money. Hmm. But if you're going to get something, at least get something back for your money. I have a music site, jasonzelda.com. You can pay anything you want for a song. If you want to pay a dollar, you can pay a dollar. If you want to pay 500, you can pay 500. That's the way it's settled. You can pay whatever you want for a song. Mother's Day recently passed. My calendar's right here. And I, I took a couple of hours and just threw together a really quick Mother's Day song. It's not the best thing in the world, but it's, it's a Mother's Day song. And I'm going to play a little clip of it as this video ends. As you all want to hear the entire song, it'll be there at JasonZelda.com, along with a whole bunch of other songs that I wrote. And some of the songs are silly, and some of them are fine, and some of them are detailed, and it's what I do. If you like me, and you want to understand me better, my music really explains me a lot. Some of the music might start off classical orchestrated and turn into a heavy metal song. Some may be a love song, but you're not going to find any profanity or nothing like that in my songs. I don't do that. It's clean for the whole family. And the songs are designed on my site. You can just listen to them. You don't have to buy them. You can listen to them all the way through. And see if you like them or not. So that's it, folks. Powered through. <laughs> I feel like I'm stiff as a board, man. Like, oh my goodness, what in the world? But you know what? I believe the day is coming when I'll be back to 100%. You see? And even though I'm hurting, I'm still praising the Lord. Because this ain't nothing but flesh. And thank goodness I don't got to tote this thing around forever. I'm hoping these videos help build your faith. And Lord willing, since I got a lot of time on my hands all of a sudden and no job to go to since they won't allow me to come back until I can get a clean bill of health from the doctors, which doesn't appear to be anytime soon. I got a lot of time. So let me keep myself busy. Keep me in prayer, everybody. And a uh, huge shout out to my friend uh, Suzanne and her husband, Paul, for the. for the things you've been making for me. I'm very thankful and very grateful to you too. Thank y'all. I really appreciate it. She handmade this just as a way to say thanks. This scarf really cool. So I wear it in tribute to them as my way of saying thank you. And by the way, if you like this, if you like this that she's made, she's a former member of the cult for those of you who are aware. And I want her to have a lot of friends. So here's what I'd like for you guys to do. Want to do something for me? If you're on Facebook, look her up. Her name is Suzanne Hazel. This is her Facebook. Go and show her some love. Because you know when you come out of the cult, the members of the cult are not allowed to speak to you anymore. And she's been going through that. And she needs some friends. I want you guys to get a hold of her and show her some love. And let her know that Jason Zelda sent you. I greatly appreciate it, y'all. Suzanne Hazel, Hazel, 
I believe I'm pronouncing it right. She's going to nail me if I don't pronounce it right. I am so sorry if I don't pronounce that last name right. But she's in Canada. Wonderful lady and her husband. Great people. Show them some love for me, all right? And until next we meet, guys, you know what's coming next. Everybody all together. I'll see you guys. Yeah, I heard you say it. Down the road. See you guys on the next video. Good night, everybody. I wanted to give you guys a quick medical update. This video was originally done in 2022 before I had surgery. The surgery has been a success. I want to pass some information on to you about the doctor who did the surgery because he did an amazing job. So if you're going to go through surgical spine surgery, if you're going to go through a, a disc replacement, I'm going to recommend for you Dr. John R. Burleson, MD, of the Houston Clinic. Now, Houston is spelled H-U-G-H-S-T-O-N. Not Houston as in Houston, Texas. No. H-U-G-H-S-T-O-N, Houston Clinic, Dr. Burleson. And for those who need some help spelling it, it's B-U-R-L-E-S-O-N. This guy gets the job done. And I'm living proof. It's been a month and what? Four days? And I feel like I can run a marathon. Feeling good. Not going to try to do it just in case. But I know I'm feeling good. Thank you.